Hello and welcome to episode 14.5 of the Nashy Cast. I am Rod Barnett. I'm Troy Gwynn. And this is our second Beyond Nashy Cast episode where we delve a little less deeply than average into a Spanish horror film that does not involve Mr. Nashy, but involves people with whom he worked. Right. Tonight we touch on Strange Loves of the Vampire which may actually be better known under another title, The Night of the Walking Dead. The most generic title ever given to a horror film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Try you to cannot get more generic. You oh, cannot get more generic than Night of the Walking Dead. <laughs> you, you, want, you want to have fun? <clears throat> Bring yeah. up Google, Yeah. type in the title, The Night of the Walking Dead, mm-hmm. and see how many pointless and useless links to Night of the Living Dead you get. Yeah, yeah, The Walking and Dead. and uh... <laughs> it's, it's insane. Yeah, trying to find information on this film through that title is a losing game. You are not going to get anywhere. I suspect that trying to find information, period, on this film is a losing game yeah. at this point. Yeah, yeah, this is, uh, this is, maybe we should apologize, <laughs> because this one, if you're playing along at home, this is a hard one to get your hands on. Um I don't know if we should apologize or not for that aspect of it. I'm certainly not going to apologize for the film quality, but... Yeah. Uh, well, I will say, I will say off the bat that had we, I don't know if we would have chosen it had we known how poor the print, just what shape, you know, how how hard it is to watch. I might have still, I might have still chosen it just because. I mean, you want to call attention. I mean, it definitely a film yeah, needs to attention yeah. called to it. Without without things like this, without people talking about like mm-hmm. this, and maybe mm-hmm. maybe in some small way we can generate some buzz about this movie, and maybe someone out there somewhere who has access to a better looking print of this yeah. film can make it available. But we we'll hope. get to that. We hope. Yeah. Do you see that castle over there? Do you know its history? I've heard the stories. I was a child and they were telling them. We search it all the time. But we never find anything. It's been abandoned for over a century. And yet there it is. Defying even time and death. In another time in that castle, there was life. Count Rudolph of Winburg was a happy man, and everyone loved him. One night, during a terrible storm, some travelers stopped and asked for shelter. He was a foreign nobleman and accompanied by two ladies and his enchanting daughter. The moment he saw that girl, Count Rudolph was bewitched, and that very night fell prisoner to her tender arms. In his passion, he did not hear the horrible cries that ripped through the darkness of the castle hallways. And prisoner of his own ecstasy, unlike any he had ever felt, he let the girl lean over him, and she bit into his neck with teeth that were now fangs. When he woke up, he realized he was alone. And then he heard the cries of pain from below. Downstairs, he was horrified to see the bodies of his father and the two servants, all three with that same evil mark on their necks, victims of the vampires, condemned as he was for all eternity. And Count Rudolph fled from the castle in search of vengeance. But that's merely a legend. Can any of us be sure, Doctor? 
Strange Loves of the Vampire from 1977, directed by Leon Klamowski, which is, of course... There's our first Nashie connection. First Nashie connection. Second straight Klamowski film we've done, actually. We did I Hate My Body last show. Correct, and, correct. Uh, yeah. Uh, pretty, you know, maybe we should have done just the, the Klamowski cast. I don't know. <laughs> that would be interesting to do. We're pretty close to it at this point. <laughs> the second major Klamowski, I mean, I'm sorry, <laughs> the second major Nashie connection is, of course, uh, the female lead of the uh, mm-hmm. the film, uh, Emma Cohen, mm-hmm. who was in Horror Rises from the Tomb. Yes. And you get to see, she's the main character. She's mm-hmm. uh, She's in... Almost every scene of the film, not quite. I'd say she was in about eighty percent of the right, movie, right. and you get to see, you get to see quite a bit of her. As yeah. a matter of fact, you get to see just about all of her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no complaints here. No, none, none at all. Miss Miss Cohen, a truly, truly mm-hmm. attractive woman. But yeah. and uh, she was also in. Uh, Cutthroats Nine, which uh, yes. a film that we've mentioned so many times, we may even though it's not a horror film, we may have to actually do an episode on we, it just because it's well. got like so many people that were connected to Nashi. Oh that yeah, film, well, so. uh, Alberto Dalbus, right. who was uh, mm-hmm. who played uh, Doctor Orla in mm-hmm. uh, Hunchback of the Morgue, yeah. isn't it? There are, there are a lot of connections to Spanish horror and Nashi's films in general in Cutthroat Nine. Cutthroats Nine. As a matter of fact, were you aware that they're remaking Cutthroat's Nine? Yes, I did hear something to that effect. Actually, I did. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm not against that <laughs> as long as it's being yeah. done properly. I'm not against remakes in general as long as they're. I'd as love long to see like Tarantino do it or something. Would be awesome. But I, yeah, I'd, well, I'd, be that would be... I'd be interested in knowing who is actually doing this. But yeah, uh, yeah, let's... I have not done the research to find out. I'm kind of afraid. I'm afraid I'll look mm-hmm. it up and it'll be. It'll be. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll take a look at the cast listing mm-hmm. or the director or screenwriter and realize, oh God, they're mm-hmm. gonna. They're gonna crap this out bad. So, but yeah. nevertheless, she she was in that. She was also quite good in uh, the Spanish film uh, Cannibal Man, which is okay. a very strange film. That. Well, it's almost a horror movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess you would have to call it a horror movie, but it's uh, it's such a bizarre film. Uh, Cannibal Man is is well worth seeing. It won't appeal to a lot of horror fans because it's it's quite slow mm-hmm. and it's not overt in its horror content. It's much more psychological. As you, as you kind of watch this man go crazy over the course of a, of a number of days, mm-hmm. but uh, she's in that. She's his girlfriend, and and uh, I think that may have been the first place I saw her outside of Horror Rises from the Tomb. Right. Well, she's perfectly cast in this this film. Uh, she, she actually she has the kind of face and and demeanor that lends itself well to horror movies, especially to playing the sympathetic character or the victim or that sort of thing because she has these very sad eyes, you know, yeah. that they look very yeah. vulnerable, although by all accounts, by Nash's accounts and, and others, it's, you know, she was in apparently in real life a very independent actress, very uh, very strong personality, uh, was into a lot of avant-garde kind of things, and but uh, but it, for, for just because of her face and her eyes, you know, that she can, she plays... Well, she's certainly expressive and she, yeah. def- she definitely seemed to be able to communicate melancholy. Exactly, well. yeah, that's a good word for her, yeah, the um, kind of demeanor she has, yeah. And I think just for that reason, in this film, she's very well cast because mm-hmm. melancholy is definitely the, yeah. the mood of the film, if you right. want to call it that. Yeah. Uh, well, but let's 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 give a quick quick synopsis of the plot just to give an idea of what this is. This is a um, this is a period piece. This takes place in I would assume sometime in the 1800s. Yeah, yeah. I can't I can't amazing. seem to get much more uh, specific than that right. in a a small uh, village. In Europe, and I can't even get more specific than that. It, no, it no. would appear to be, it could be Spain, it could be England, it could be France, for all we know, but mm-hmm. don't really know because they don't really nail it down with any real specifics. Not that it's necessary. 
By the way, I got a kick out of uh, the fact that this, you know, was obviously taken from a VHS release, and the video company has released on is called Sunrise, which I thought was a. <laughs> that, oh, that's that's the first thing you see oh, is this yeah, logo right, comes up, right. the Sunrise, you know, video, which I thought was kind of ironic. But you know, for, now that I think of it, I think that uh, the intent may have been to set this film in Germany. I kind of had that feeling that it was supposed to be. Yeah, I sort of thought maybe yeah. that was that was the case with. Uh, I know at one point they. Um, when they're recounting the legend of the vampires, or recounting the legend of the castle, you know, there's there's the the big castle on the hill, or whatever. When they're recounting it, they uh, no, no, it's actually at one point where a guy is actually talking about some some he's got some book about vampire lore or the legend of vampires, and he mentions how it was commissioned by or owned by uh, the Empress uh, Maria Theresa, which. Uh, Okay. I'm thinking maybe okay. it was. Uh, I'm thinking that might be Austria. Maybe is where well, this is. It could be of... Austria. That's true because I'm thinking about uh, the character Rudolf's name, Rudolf uh, von von yeah. something. It sounded yeah. Prussian at the very yeah, least, it was, right? Um, yes, it was. Uh, yeah, that that's if right. Not so German, maybe maybe Prussian. yeah, so maybe Austrian or Prussian or something. Maybe could, we're could very well be. And, and I don't know, all, all this stuff's running around my head right now because I'm reading, for the first time in a couple of years, I'm reading a George McDonald Frazier novel. It's, uh, it's uh, not one of the Flashman novels. Than, yeah. It's uh, Black Ajax, which oh, okay. uh, takes place, uh, it takes place, but actually one of the characters in it uh, is uh, Flashman's father. Oh, great, great. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of nice. It's about this uh, this uh, American ex-slave boxer who comes over and, and thinks he can be a, thinks he's a boxer and mm. learns really quickly he knows nothing about boxing. It's really... Mm. It's it's your standard George McDonald Frazier hysterical, oh, you know, hysterical period piece. That's so. a, now talk about a series of books that really need would make a wonderful uh, TV miniseries or or, oh, or series of movies would be the Flashman. So far, we still only have one Flashman movie that's ever been made, and those books. Royal Flash, just, yeah. Royal my Flash. gosh, if I, could, if I could just find just the right person to play Flashman, it would just that would be a wonderful. Uh, wonderful Malcolm McDowell. Malcolm McDowell did a fine job. Oh, he did. He did. Yeah. Uh, it'd be it'd be amazing to see them tackle it. Yeah. These days, I don't know. I don't know that anybody would have the balls to do it, though. Yeah, I know it would because yeah. it has to be body and it has to be violent and it has mm. to be it has to be willing to stick its thumb right into everybody's eye. Well, yeah, I know exactly. Especially, you know, you have to have a and you have to have a main character that is a despicable bastard, but you still have to like. You know, he's got to project and that. That's you very can't hard. Help but just yeah, yeah, love him even though he's a total total prick. You know, but but once anyway. again, once once again, <laughs> back to, back to beyond our show, back to ours, yeah. We'll discuss Flashman on the Flashman the podcast Flashman cast. at some other time. Flashcast. Flashcast. I like that. <laughs> but no, that that sounds like it would be you know the uh, about the Flash. That can't really work either. Or it could be about Flash Gordon. Oh, to hell with it. Or eighties dance movies or something. <laughs> I don't think we're gonna. We probably won't do that, that one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, Strange Loves of the Vampire. Yes. Uh, Euro- European village in the eighteen hundreds. Uh, as the film begins. Uh, a young woman. A young woman has died. Daughter of local, a local well-to-do man. Mm-hmm. The doctor, the local doctor, is fuming because all the superstitious locals think that it's because that she died because of something to do with uh, the supernatural. Mm-hmm. He, of course, is just fuming because she died of anemia. Mm-hmm. You know, her, her death was slow and gradual. This was natural causes, and he's just angry about it. But the townspeople are really riled up and are convinced that she was killed by a vampire. Right. And so we are treated to them going into the home and without too much protestation from the family mm-hmm. uh, staking her body so that it stays in its grave. Right. 
Her name was Miriam, and now the doctor also mentions in this scene where he's going on this rant against him for being superstitious idiots. You know, he also says that it's obviously with something in her blood because her younger sister has the same thing and it's going to kill her too. And so that's how we first hear about Miriam's sister, who is Catherine. And Catherine is played by Emma Cohen. Yes. Now, she is, they're they're talking about how she she, they can't get her to eat, and uh, she has almost no energy, and she really is just essentially just moping around her rooms. Mm Uh, while the uh, the uh, maid tries to be upbeat, positive, and get her to eat, mm-hmm. the locals. We as the film goes on, we learn from the locals, especially the some rather rambunctious locals in the in the nearby ta- tavern, mm-hmm. the history of the castle on the hill, right outside the town, and we learn the uh, the story of the yeah. vampire attack on the castle a hundred yeah. years before. Right. Apparently, they got the. Uh, who uh, the Lord or whoever who lived in the castle? Um, did you have his name? Um, Rudolph. It was Rudolph. Rudolph. I can't remember what his last name was, but Rudolph. I can't. Is, yeah. I, can't I can't remember. The last but they, I guess, think they tell a story of a couple of, of some people coming to stay with him, and he became enchanted with one of the women, and you know, spent and she spent the night in his bed, and, and obviously turned out, and she also like, turned she out turned to be, to be a, vampire. a vampire. Yeah. And well, and what I love is that the whole idea seems to be that not only was she a vampire, but so were the others yeah. part of her retinue because right. they offed. All the servants and everybody in the, in the castle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the that's the uh, the legend that that happened over a hundred years ago, and the place has been deserted ever since. And that's why this uh, entire village basically has vampires on the brain. Anytime anybody dies, and yeah. they could possibly be anything remotely close to vampiric in nature, they just hop all over it and shove a stake through them. Well, much to uh, we we have to put the doctors laments to the side because as soon as Miriam is covered up with dirt mm-hmm. and the sun goes down here comes some rather strange looking female vampires to uncover her grave pull the stake out of her chest and welcome her into the fold mm-hmm. now all of the graveyard scenes in this movie I about to say you got more out of you you followed that more than I could oh, yeah, I, yeah. Which, I mean I could get the gist of what was going on through the I mean, catching a little glimpse of something here and there and the, 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 the overall print, just, yeah. like, darkness. I mean, this is literally one of these prints that, you know, just will sometimes go completely black for several seconds at a time, you know, where you literally you hear things, have, but I didn't, you didn't have that problem. I, I, may have the, I may have the darkness on my television set a little... Uh, you probably do. Little, I've, I've, yeah. I've dialed it down trying, yeah. to, trying to be able to see some of these darker prints a little bit better, but uh, don't get me wrong, the, mm. there's one particular shot that's reoccurring in this first cemetery sequence where the focus is on one of the vampire's faces and... You can't see any of the detail on the face. No, you can yeah. see the hair, but I can't right. see any detail on the face at all. Right. Let, let's say right up front that this watching this print of this film was like stepping back into my days of bootleg tapes. I was going to say well, because yeah, this is a print yeah. from mm-hmm. a bootleg tape from a yeah. from from a freaking Turkish bootleg mm-hmm. tape because it's still got the damned hard subs on it, the Turkish mm-hmm. subs, mm-hmm. and it's like. So irritating because you're you become aware as you're watching something like this. I remember years ago, the first time I ran across something like this was like uh, the Yul Brenner Italian film called uh, Death Rage, uh. where the only way to see it was from this god awful VHS print, <laughs> and unfortunately, it was from a print that had obviously been put through, put <laughs> been dragged along by somebody's car, <laughs> and then spat on, and maybe had cats attack it. I don't know. So you're you're looking at this and it's like, wow, this is the best way to see this film currently, and it. 
just yeah. sucks to try to watch the film. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the quality of the film. It has everything to do with the fact that just trying to comprehend what's going on, mm-hmm. and Death Rage was even worse because like whole big chunks of it were missing, where obviously the cats had eaten that portion <laughs> of the fucking print, right? So the uh, this is like a step back yeah. to just suffering through this because you want to see the film and there's something about it that intrigues you and you're wondering what it's like and why, you know, what is this deal? Yeah. Well, but, and for me, it also reminded me of, uh, of the old portable black and white televisions I've mentioned before that, you know, like uh, <laughs> we had a couple of them in our house yeah. and uh, there'd be often times that my parents would be watching, you know, something on regular television on our color set and, you know, I would be, of course, dialed into, you know, the Channel 17 that might be showing a horror movie and or a science fiction movie or something and I would have it on my little black and white TV sitting there on my bed and they'd be showing something from the 70s with like day for night filming and yeah. on a little black and white TV and it, it would just be truly incomprehensible at places, you know, where I was trying to not figure out what was going on. So uh, yeah, yeah. So so we, we we tried to wax nostalgic about this film uh, to help get us through the fact that it's such a horrible print. It's a horrible print. But here's here here's the thing. The um, as the, uh, the, the the movie goes on, I would I would have to refer to this as pretty much probably I would I would refer to it as a gothic horror. Although mm-hmm. um, it is it is a color film. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that it can't be a gothic film if it's in color. It's just that in general, when you say gothic horror film, people tend to think of a black and white movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The plot is, is such that it is very much a gothic tale. It is very melancholy. It's fairly slow up until a certain point, which is when the vampires make themselves known. Right. And essentially bring Catherine, Emma Cohen's character, into the fold, mm-hmm. so to speak. Yeah. Because, yeah, and that's really about as far into the plot as I'm. Yeah, we don't go too much for that. We'll we'll say that for her, her character is interesting. Uh, she's a lot of the film has to do with the fact that you know she obviously really she really is is almost a ghost in the living world in the yeah. world among the among because of the way you know she's kept to her room because she's she's got this illness she doesn't eat uh, she's kind of an object of pity of everybody. Um, we find out another interesting aspect of her character. She likes to watch, yeah. <laughs> See, which that is kind was of very a, interesting. Then it was yeah. a neat little scene because, well, and, and you realize what little thrill, what what little excitement or interest of anything, and she has, she has in her life. And there's a contrasting character. I guess it's the local barmaid who's who's very free and easy with her uh, her, her charms, you know. And and so there's a, a, a part. Laura, of, yeah, Laura is the uh, the, the bar wench who yeah. uh, mm-hmm. very attractive and obviously full of life and vibrant as a direct yeah. contrast to Catherine's character. And Catherine at one point. Watches through a door as uh, as as the as Laura and uh, no 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 not Laura it is was, it, who is that that's uh, it's uh, it, it's her maid her maid oh her maid is the one and, her, uh, and the maid I can tell some of these characters apart okay, well, honestly that, well, because, that, well, it, 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 because the, of not the, being able the to see not them great. Well, she she does act, kind of accidentally but once she realizes what she's watching she doesn't yeah, exactly yeah. stop right uh, at one point she's walking around the house at night and she spies her uh, her servant her her maid. And her maid's husband, who's mm-hmm. uh, the coachman for the family, mm-hmm. getting naked and getting busy mm-hmm. there in their in their rooms. What's nice about that is that it points out something. It, if that weren't there to to be to to kind of point this point you toward this idea, there that's the point where the filmmakers are obviously wanting to emphasize without bringing it out and shoving it in your face that this woman is probably a virgin. Yeah, yeah. And and, and then a, and just a few scenes after that, we have the maid coming in all excited and saying, oh, your your betrothed, John, is coming back from, from his trip. Right, He's coming. Yeah. And so then you're introduced to the idea of, well, wait a minute, maybe she's not a virgin if she's mm. going to be married to this guy. But then, of course, we find, we find out pretty quickly that 
he they they probably have never been together because he's really not very interested in her in the first place, and that she creeps him out because she is so mm. sickly and and yeah. Well, well, I think he says uh, every time I look at her, I see death. Yeah, well, I just she, well, can't she stand over, her. Yeah, well, she over here. She catches. I mean, she she, she catches she, him. Yeah, and yeah. basically in bed with. Uh, now, now, who's he in bed with? You'll have to tell. I thought it was. Is that Laura or is it the maid that he's in bed with? I don't know. He's not, it wasn't. It wasn't, it wasn't the maid. It was. It was another woman entirely. So another woman. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm gonna have to readjust the settings. Dude, you, I mean, dude, I'm serious because I can tell. Here's the thing. Stuff. If if you can't tell anything else, just stare at the breasts. Oh, well, I can see those. Those are standing out quite. Those are standing out quite well. well those were those were very Pale, different sets of breasts. That's trust say, me. <laughs> uh, I can uh, I can describe mm. each set to you, and they're all different. And mm. you need to you need to focus, Troy. If you need yeah. to, if you, you need some help, I, I can help I, you I, out I, with I that. But... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. Uh, yeah. So so really the 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 the. The, at, there's a point in about the middle of the film where she is is uh, visited. She gets a knock on the door, and there's travelers who say they need a place to stay. And there, uh, it's a noblemen calls himself Rudolph, Rudolph uh, and, and his she, retinue. She, you know. Yeah, and she invites them in. Uh, he's got sort of a weird. Uh, oh, his man, his, his servant, his, his manservant. That's like this bizarre. He's not. I wouldn't call him. A, I wouldn't call him a little person, but he's a no, shorter no, guy. And yeah, he seems almost to have a hunchback. Yeah, but yeah. Not. I mean, not yeah, completely. He's yeah. not. You know, but anyway, uh, she you know that's that's she invites Rudolph and his retinue to stay, and then and, and they have an interesting dinner conversation, and and uh, you know friend and Rudolph of course is the same Rudolph who's been cursed with vampirism, and uh, and yeah, like you said, that's probably about where we should leave it. You know, let's yeah, just you yeah. know because but, uh, that's the thing is uh, one criticism that I could have of the film, I would not I would not criticize her for this because I'm a fan of the gothic horror genre to begin with, mm-hmm. is that the first thirty or forty minutes are a little slow. I didn't find it slow. Mainly because you're, you're you're being presented with well, I mean, they're they're injecting a bit of nudity and, and salaciousness into yeah. it every now and then as well. Yeah. I mean, you have the yeah. the servants having sex and things of that nature. Plus, uh, I mean, you're only a few minutes into the film when you mm. realize that really we do have vampires here because you see Miriam, mm. you know, the the vampires digging and, her up and, and pulling that, the stake yeah, out of her right. chest. So mm-hmm. you're already there. The, the, as far as the audience is concerned, the question of whether the supernatural stuff is happening or not mm. is out the door. We know yeah. it's happening. Yeah. So um, that 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 I really like. That it really did hold my interest. But I can't understand why somebody might not get completely engaged with the movie until. Rudolph shows yeah. up, and you're and you realize as the as the viewer, that's the same cat that was playing Rudolph in this flashback where we learned about the thing that happened more than a hundred years ago. So whoa, mm. whoa, okay, and of course yeah. their conversation over dinner, he's all but saying yeah what he is. He's yeah. he's he's being a little arch about it, but yeah. he's but it's very straightforward, and he and he won't mm. and he won't eat, and he mm. but he he'll, he'll drink a little wine, but I mean mm. he's not going to eat with her, and very very. Very interesting stuff, and they do play with the uh, the standard uh, movie cliche vampire tropes. And as a well, matter of fact, the reason they play with them mm, in the first place mm. is they want to take do their own take on it and kind of subvert some and, of them. Yeah, and that's nice. It's like yeah, because uh, you know that whole first part of the movie too is has a lot of things that are pretty much cliches have come. Because one thing I was I was thinking in the early part of the film when I was watching, I was thinking. You know, so much of this feels like a, you know, kind of like a, you know, your standard Hammer kind of film. And I mean, now I love Hammer yeah, films and all exactly. that. But it made me wonder, like, because Klamowski, we've gotten used to seeing these very different takes on, you know, very imaginative takes on on some of these old old uh, uh, cliches, which is why he was such a great fit for with Nashi. But I think that 
I, I was sitting there wondering, like, I don't know what Klamowski's interest in this story would have been unless he was just truly just doing it totally as hack work or whatever for the first part of the film. It's not that it's badly done, but again, it's like you've got the village that's, you know, got the play going through it. You've got yeah. the skeptical doctor, you know, you've got, you know, the, the, um, the, the superstitious villagers and a lot of it just seemed kind of by the numbers and then it hits this point in the film where suddenly it just totally oh, it starts to do it this detour off. it takes yeah. these whole images of vampires and that's where you're saying like okay now we feel like it feels like a Kamlovsky film it feels like taking <laughs> yeah. something and depicting it because even the vampires as much as we can tell anyway um, it looks like the even his depiction of vampires in this is really very different from his depiction of vampires in, in Werewolf Shadow. You know, it's, well, it's, now, here's it's, here's a question for you: uh, How long has it been since you watched his earlier film, Vampires Night Orgy? Um, because oh it's been years for me. It has for me too. I mean, honestly, it's been a long time uh, to the point that I can't swear that I've seen it. I've always heard of it. Oh, I, can't, I can't even swear. It. I feel like I did watch it maybe years ago, but I I'd have to see it again, honestly, to know. It is. I bet that'll be. There, a, I bet that'll be a point five episode at some point. <laughs> Probably Vampire's Night Orgy will be a point five episode, and it's actually I think it's one that's going to be getting a DVD release here Ooh. here in the next few months. Oh, sometime awesome. sometime in two thousand eleven, I'm good pretty news. sure. That's good news. It's a it's a it's a pretty damn good film mm-hmm. as I remember it. I still have my bootleg laying around, mm-hmm. and it's a. Um, it's it's quite different. It's a very different story from this. Mm-hmm. Not nearly as melancholy. It's 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 a bit more. Um, well, I'll just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. This this film, Strange Loves of the Vampire, is a very melancholy film, right? With mm-hmm. a very downbeat ending, and mm-hmm. with a nice kind of pall of inevitable death over mm-hmm. it in general. Mm-hmm. Vampire's Night Orgy is a bit more of it's got a it's got a bit more of I think what would be pleasing to uh, a shallower audience a mm-hmm. shallower uh type of film mm-hmm. watcher mm-hmm. but uh not that it's a bad film as a matter of fact it's quite good and it has helical and mm-hmm. oh wow anyway. said enough enough said I'm yeah there. yeah I'm there. yeah exactly i knew thought uh, that might perk your interest yeah, yeah definitely. suddenly your hair is standing on the end the interesting thing to me is that klamovsky made several films involving vampires mm-hmm. And I think it's very interesting that he didn't make all of them with Nashi at all, and yet Nashi was always complaining about how the directors he worked with didn't really didn't really like the supernatural, mm-hmm. they didn't really yeah. like horror movies and this and the other. And I'm like, <laughs> I got to point to Klamovsky and go, yeah. I don't think that's correct, yeah. sir, because sure. Sure. he made yeah. a number of horror movies that had absolutely nothing to do with Nashi, mm-hmm. and yet mm-hmm. I mean they're vampire movies. Yeah. Come on, yeah. so I. We'll say this. Uh, I don't know how much distribution this film got yeah. in the United States. No. But I found a number of things in it that I saw echoes in later vampire films. I was thinking that too. I was, I was, I was thinking the first, The first point, uh, and I'm not saying that you know somebody saw this movie and thought, ooh, I'll fold this into to mm-hmm. my work later on or, mm-hmm. or something like that or that it even directly mm-hmm. influenced anything because I think that it, very very clearly, if you're working with the the idea of vampires, there are certain ideas that are going to crop up no matter what you do, depending on how you tell your story. Mm-hmm. But I sat there with children down my spine in the scene early on when Miriam, the sister, visits uh, visits the house, comes That's up to the window, comes up scene. to the window. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Miriam and Catherine's mom has taken her diamond, her diamond ring, and scratched a cross into yeah. one of the panes of glass. Yeah. 
just as a superstitious protection before she leaves on a trip to go to, to go someplace. Right. And Miriam comes up in the night, and there's all that fog, and she comes up, and she's pale, and she's trying to get Catherine, her sister, to let her in the house. Mm-hmm. And I swear to God, what does that going, sound like? It sounded like <laughs> Salem's, Salem's Lot, Lot man. Yeah, Salem's Lot. <laughs> and the way it shot, it mm-hmm. shot the same mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. It was so freaking creepy. And None of us will ever forget crapping our pants uh, during that, oh, yeah. uh, first viewing of Salem's Lot with the. Uh, but you're right. I mean, that's exactly what I thought of. You know, was uh-huh. was, was the the vampire boy at the window, and you know, and and, and so yeah, yeah. Make sure and just that, that scratching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just it was it was really nicely done, and it really did send. It was one of the first. Well, it was the first or second time in the movie where a chill went up my spine. The first yeah. was honestly the the very silent when, when uh, Miriam had, when the the vampires take the. The, the stake out of Miriam's chest and she gets up and nobody says anything. Yeah, just a completely quiet. It's yeah. completely silent. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. the sound of them walking mm-hmm. and just obviously communicating mm-hmm. without words mm-hmm. and then just leaving the cemetery together. Mm-hmm. That was the first point where I went, wow, there's something. Mm-hmm. This if, if the film has nothing else, it's got this. Mm-hmm. And that was the second scene where mm-hmm. I sat there, whoa, okay, yeah. I forgot mm-hmm. Klamowski has this, you know, he, he's got his chops. He's got chops. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. Also, Without giving away anything about the ending, mm-hmm. the ending reminded me of Thirty Days of Night. Yes, definitely. There's, definitely there are I'll echoes in the mm-hmm. film Thirty Days of Night of mm-hmm. the ending of this film, which is very interesting. Mm-hmm. This is this is I think the overall mood of this movie is definitely me- one of melancholy. Yeah, because your main character knows she's going to die right from the moment you meet her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She has absolutely no doubt, and mm-hmm. so it, it's odd that. Mm-hmm. It's it's odd to do that for a yeah. film. For well, well, film. one thing I like the whole idea. I think it's interesting just that whole idea of um, her and her sister both suffering from. I mean, Catherine hasn't been hasn't dealt. I mean, that's the interesting thing to me is Catherine's already going to die from a blood disease and yeah. has had no contact with vampires whatsoever, which makes you feel that Miriam might have that too. But the fact that the doctor's talking about them both having this disease that apparently must be some genetic something or other that they've gotten from through their their family through their heritage. Uh, uh, I think it's interesting that their blood is already weakened uh, in a story that also deals with vampirism. is a very interesting. It, it, it is interesting, parallel there. It, it, and it does it does beg the question that the film doesn't bother to answer because its its intentions are somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Which is the fact that they take the stake out of Miriam's chest near the beginning of the film means that she must have been killed by a vampire, or. Is it just that yes. if they die of this particular disease, disease then they become yeah. a vampire? Very nice. Yeah, and I like it's that. not spelled out. No, it's not. It's um, kind of interesting. Yeah, I like that. I think I think there are clues within the film that the mm-hmm. idea was that Miriam was killed by a vampire, mm-hmm. but it's kind of a chicken and egg thing. Did yeah. she have the blood disease <laughs> yeah, before? Right. 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 Or uh, yeah. at any rate, and why does Catherine have it if she's had no? Correct, if she's correct. you know had had no her, exposure to vampirism. And, and the strange thing, and then immediately you go, well, wait a minute. Both of her parents are are well up in years and they're healthy. Yeah, yeah. How did you know? Wait a minute, something is up. Yeah. So uh, one almost begins to to wonder. This is just something that ran through my head the second time I went through the movie, which is, is Rudolph showing up and showing himself just the latest part of them working their working their way with these two girls yeah with these two young women yeah i don't know it's yeah it's it 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 because it because it almost seems like yeah or does or is that first night that he appears his actual first you know is, right, have right, they right. just you know are these are these is this place already is this community already afflicted with some type of blood disease that's gone through the bloodlines of some of these families families right 
without while the vampires haven't even resurrected yet, you know, or has it been passed down the village from when from the vampirism that began a hundred years ago, you know? So it's an and nice little thing there. There, there are some really neat little things mm-hmm. which I don't want to spoil about that that you learn about uh, the way this movie wants to play with the vampire legends. Yeah. It's there, there's there's some really neat stuff. And there's a great a great effect and now again, you know, I don't know if it just looks maybe maybe in this case the poor print added to the realism of the effect, but a neat little bit of the vampire lore that comes out here that's kind of neat for this film you don't see in a lot of films is the idea that cuz you you've always heard the thing about you got to put a stake in their heart and you're supposed to cut off their head, you know. In this case, they say the real way to get rid of a vampire is to drive a stay a spike through his forehead. Through his forehead and that's yeah. a great scene, a very nice effect where yeah. where there's a vampire a, a vampire's coffin and they and it actually shows a close up of him driving the spike through the forehead and uh the uh the face looks very realistic and the whole effect is very very well done. I know, and the thing is, you see them do it, so you know it's not really somebody's head, but it looks really good. No, it really does. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was I was, I was, very I was a bit I was a bit surprised by that because I was waiting for the edit. Yeah, exactly. You think there's going to be some cutaway yeah. or something that just shows it driving right into it, so it shows that whatever the fake head or fake mask or whatever they used uh was was very well done, very convincing. Now, uh before I uh sound like I'm going to do nothing but heap praise on this film. Uh, I will say that the score is a detriment. Not yeah, because I is. think not that I think all of the music in it in the movie is bad. No. Uh, although I think the whoever decided to go with the <laughs> acid rock fuzz guitar music yeah. over the opening credits needs to be slapped. Well, it's obviious, you know, of course they had to slap a a, 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 a separate credit sequence because they had changed the name to Night of the Walking Dead. Yeah, and they use this acid drenched. It sounds like Jimi Hendrix playing over the Yeah. <laughs> Well, actually, not even. It's not as bad. It's really not good. It's not good like it no. would have been if it was Hendrix. It's bad acid drenched guitar, and it's just really. Oh, so. I don't know. And it's over. They, they didn't even. De- I mean, I, I I hate it when they do this. The the whole the images behind the credits are just this red and green solarized, mm-hmm. you know, slow motion crap from somewhere in the film where yeah. you're just looking at these images of people in slow motion, and they're either red yeah. or they're blue, and it's just like. What in God's name? <laughs> Deuce. Yeah. White white lettering on a black screen would be a better choice than this shit. Yeah. But but you're right. A lot of the, uh, you're right. The music in general is is obviously cobbled together from from I think from other sources, oh, I think library so. cues, and um, you know, other, oh, I, think, I think other they defi- and... I think they definitely stole music from other films because mm. some of the some of the cues are very good. Right. Uh, very nice mm. music and often fit very very effectively what's going on, mm. but. None of it sounds as if a composer sat down and went, "What is our motif?" Right. For exactly. This film? Yeah, and and there are a couple of places where it'll you know daytime places where it's showing you know the village and castle stuff where it suddenly pops in this music that sounds like some really bad like European travelogue you know short yeah, film yeah. or something you know it's it just this real pastoral kind of, of music that's it, just it's, it's it a bit odd fit. and I will say that also I think they stole some sound effects from the the blind, tombs of the blind dead films. Because in, yeah, you in, were saying in, that in, in the cemetery, the, the yeah. in the cemetery you get this the, the that weird sound effect, that echoing sound effect that if you've yeah. seen the Blind Dead films, you will recognize immediately. It's just <laughs> like, oh, okay, wait a minute. I guess everybody's you know yeah. we're, we're in Spain, we're making a horror film. Mm, we'll toss that in as well. Um, but. What did you think of the film overall? I mean, yes, the print is atrocious. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, well, I think that I guess my feeling is I I can't recommend you watch this print of it, but I, I can very much recommend. Yeah. I mean, you might disagree with me or something, but it's like you said. I mean, it's it's it's. I mean, we both agree the print's terrible. I mean, oh, yeah. I guess I guess what I'm saying is I definitely can recommend if you you know the film needs to have a better representation out there. I mean, it's worthy. 
it's a worthy film very much so of, oh, yeah. uh, of, of hunting someone out there hunt for this film and try and find better source materials and put it out because there's some scenes especially when it goes later into the whole vampire's world um, when I think about boy a, a properly framed film and a better print I bet some of this would just look spectacular you know with the I, I love the stuff behind where it and, and once again Klamowski is uh, terrific with camera movement uh, lots oh, of his I camera. he's I, yeah. he's really he's very much doing a lot of camera movement that's great here but a lot of scenes are filmed behind those drapes Mm-hmm. And I think in, in a nice print in a in a fully cut, properly framed would look fantastic. So uh, I, well, I, I keep thinking about how beautiful some of the shots were. There are shots in this movie mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. even in this crappy print, mm-hmm. just made my. I mean, I mm-hmm. they made my eyes bug out. The yeah. the whole sequence where she changes into the white dress in that room in the mm-hmm. castle that is completely white. Mm-hmm. It's just. It was just beautiful, and he wa- he walks into the room. Rudolph walks into the room, and he's dressed in black. Mm-hmm. And you're just looking at this, and you're going, "This is a director who's who's going, wow, we can yeah. really do some stuff with the black and white here, and this yeah. all, this this, this is going to be a dialogue scene. We can jazz it up visually, and mm-hmm. just it's really nice." I had never seen, neither of us had seen this film before, right. of course. Yeah. Uh, when I sat down and watched it for the first time, first time through, after I spent. The first fifteen minutes, being pissed off at how mm. crappy the print yeah. looked. Right. Then the movie caught me, and I, I I ended up thinking, "Wow, this this is a pretty good movie." Mm-hmm. Then I went through it a second time, making notes and looking it over, and making sure I had my thoughts in order, and realized, you know, it's actually a little bit better than I thought it was on first view yeah. because there's a lot here mm-hmm. that it, it, it's well, it's I like the writing, I like the dialogue, even the English dub is pretty good. Yeah, uh, yeah. All, all parts the, of it are good. Voice, all the all the voice actors are really exceptional. I think they do a fine job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, this is a nice surprise. I understand why it's hard to come by because man, we'd never heard of this. Oh, I know, thing. I know. Yeah, I, I, the fact that I have never run across this, I've never heard anybody talking about this. I've yeah, never seen bootlegs of it sitting around for pe- for sale for, for people. Uh, just it just amazes me. This is this is one that I think is ripe for rediscovery. If there was a really good print of it out there, I'm gonna have to dig up my Phil Hardy, uh, you know, the Penguin Horror Guide. You oh know, yeah, the game. I'm gonna yeah, have to I dig that out because that was so that was you know covered so many obscure films. I'd be interested to see if that one even caught this one because this one is so so obscure. I'd be interested to see. Like I say, there's it was '77. There was obviously obviously an English dub. I mean, that's yeah. what we saw. Yeah. So I'm thinking that there had to be some distribution. Yeah. Of some type mm-hmm. in seventy seven or seventy eight, so yeah, but yeah, I, I definitely think it's I definitely think it's a film that deserves a rediscovery or to be discovered from the first place. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say I don't know. I don't, I don't think it ever has been discovered. So I, I, but, I think uh, it. I think it. I think it needs discovery. Period. Yeah, <laughs> this I agree. is this is this is a this is a good film, and I think that uh, what what amazes me is that I think that a, a really pristine looking version of this might make my estimation of it. Go even higher. Oh, well, I could, I could totally see that. Yeah, so. I can truly believe that because there's a lot of places there where there's things happening where I'm just thinking, just from what I can pick out, I'm just thinking like, I bet this is some really neat stuff, some really imaginative stuff. Knowing Klamowski as we do, you know that we just can't get the full effect of, you know. But all the places where the vampires are kind of running through the streets and and wreaking havoc and all yeah. that, I think is probably well, not just, only a that, lot just of fun. the stuff where they're where you're, essentially the vampires are having a party in the yeah, castle, right? Yeah. And the difference, just the difference in the way the castle looks when mm. the vampires are present and when and how it looks in daylight when there's yeah. nothing around. Yeah. Just that visual mm. is astonishing. But I think that we can recommend this film, not this version of this film. Yeah, but we definitely recommend it. But we definitely recommend it. It's it's well, well worth seeking out. I have no idea what title you might find it under. Strange Loves of the Vampire is what we're going to call it. Yeah. Because it's really the most appropriate title. 
Knights of the Walking Dead. That's <laughs> that is not a good title for this film. Although yeah. I was shocked to see that even in that um, even under that title. Um, the directed by credit was Leon Clemenza. I know it wasn't like you know Lou Cooper or something like that. Yeah, know, or, you know, that's really what I was expecting. I always do. I was totally expecting like some completely, especially, especially uh, under the acid uh, guitar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Lou Hendricks. Lou Hendricks. Directed, directed by Lou Hendricks. <laughs> oh God, yeah. that would have been that would have been absolutely hysterical. I, don't know. I often wonder what what the decision making is behind deciding to use a pseudonym on prints for the American American release of film. I mean, there's so, there's so many of them. I mean, they're, well, we've they're, seen Paul Nash before. We've seen oh, Paul yeah. Nash with Paul Nash. And yeah, it's just, I know. I mean, especially as late as the 70s, you know, the fact that they were still insisting on somehow... Trying like, to pretend it was an American film. you know, yeah. we don't want to watch foreign films there, you know, but... Um, well, you there's, know. Still, there's still a but lot we still of that. that oh, we still have that. Oh, definitely. We still have this, you know, uh, we still have that, that attitude now, um, you know, American audiences to a lot of... Oh, you mean I got to read it? I don't want... I went to the movies to see a movie. I don't want to read. I'll never forget when Brotherhood of the Wolf was playing at the, the theater. <laughs> oh, because it had actually garnered oh, enough... God. You know, it was actually becoming yeah. enough of a popular film that it got wide distribution, but you'd come into the box office and they had a big warning that... They had to post a sign, yeah. The subtitles, make sure you you didn't, people didn't demand their money back when they found out they had to read. I haven't used that skill since first grade. You know? <laughs> yeah. Read? Why do I got to read? Proudly illiterate in this country. Proudly oh, illiterate. Oh, man. Yeah, don't, don't ask the American <laughs> film-going public to, to thank. Because <laughs> yeah. if you ask them to thank, they'll rebel real quick. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, uh, hold on. We'll, uh, we both Speaking of reading. Yeah. Speaking of reading, uh, we'll come back here in just a second, and we'll read a few emails and uh, tell you what we got coming up next, and uh, wish you all a good evening. Where am I? I thought you might be asking that. All women are curious creatures, no matter what. Don't tease me. Not at all. It's the truth. And the others? Here. Here? Where? Not with us? Not as you understand. This is my refuge. I am safe here, accompanied by my solitude. I don't see. Don't even try. Do you have any regrets about coming? None. But this has been a difficult time for you. It was necessary to see. As necessary as hatred, as vengeance. The envy that corrupts all humans. The suffering souls you saw, I myself. There was a time when we believed in goodness and in beauty. But then, something none of us were aware of changed. But, Rudolph, don't tell me this. So much death. Yes, the work of demons. But try to imagine a being that's totally pure. Imagine how such a creature would react to war. But the world has its own form. It can't change. And you, and you are. The strangers, the immortals, the ones they must exterminate. And must there be vengeance? At first, there were none. Then the thirst. The need for blood. First, the blood of animals. And then, the necessity of love, with no hope of continuing. They persecuted us with a reason, and we had to defend ourselves for our own needs. And we found refuge in what they most feared, in mortality. And those poor ones, locked inside their graves, they see and hear, and yet they cannot move. They are waiting only for the night 
or they move in other ways. And so, this night... is the night that is theirs. In her, they feel more free and more satisfied. Is she not repulsed? And why should she be? They seek love, not the flesh. They seek the union of the spirit. Tonight, they reach out for each other in love. Tomorrow, once more the flight from the world and themselves. But tonight, they dream and forget. It's only an illusion. They dream the waterfall and rejoice in it. Who said that water was the enemy of all vampires? The legends are only that. Legends. We fear only the light of the sun. And that symbol, that condemned us. Come, trust me. Come, please. Come. And has there been love? Yes, Catherine. Love that is real. It reaches beyond death. A cursed love. I want only to die. To find my final rest. Rudolph, I... No, no, don't, don't say anything. Rudolph. No, you must live. I cannot take you from this world. But you told me. Yes. I wish I could tell you that it was all a lie, but... You know what I am. Don't say any more. Alrighty now. We got uh, a few emails. We try to just do two or three each podcast so we space them out a little bit and we don't make the podcast too damn long. Mm -hmm. So this one is from a family member of Troy's. Yes, it is. From your older brother, right? From my older brother. Um now, I have to say that your your older brother, Pac, has been a, a, a staunch supporter of this podcast. He was one of our first listeners, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, for for that, we will we will always be thankful. <laughs> yeah, we do appreciate that. There, there, there were many months early on where his words of encouragement were really the only words of encouragement we were hearing because <laughs> we, we hadn't set up the email address. Right. And uh, just, he, just hearing from him occasionally when we run across him and he would pigeonhole us and, and talk about the podcast, and <laughs> that, that, really, that really helped a lot, so... Okay, this one starts with, uh, over the last month I've listened to Nash, listened to NashyCast's 11, 12, and 12.5. Enjoyed them all greatly as always. I start getting the chill bumps as soon as I hear the opening theme, and as the closing theme plays, I always have a big smile on my face. I had some serious NashyCast nostalgia about a month ago, month ago as I listened to number 11 with the ground covered with snow because some of my earliest NashyCast memories were with the snow on the ground a year ago. I am in the process of ranking my top Nashi films from the past year. The first four in my ranking were no problem, but five and six have caused me some serious wrangling back and forth. It was great to hear you guys rank your 12 tonight in NashiCast 12.5. I will email my picks as soon as I have them nailed down. I've gone back and rewatched several of the films to compile my rankings, uh, the things we do for the love of Nashi. I am heading downstairs now to my viewing room to watch Fury the Wolfman, the copy that Troy provided for me, as all I had previously was the alpha release. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> he told me today to be prepared for an onslaught with this film. <laughs> Once I view it, I will be ready for Nashi Cast Lucky 13 as we embark on the second year. Oh yeah, I really like the reading of the fan emails. Uh, how about that guy with the wife that's a Nashi fan? How cool is that? <laughs> yeah, anyway, we all agree yeah, I know, I know. Uh, Nashi, Nashi female fans are always, always welcome. 
Um, anyway, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but don't ever under us, underestimate the joy that these casts bring to us Nashy fans. It is great to see him get the attention and respect that he has always deserved, and you too should be proud of yourselves. Well, thank you. Thank you, big brother. And I can actually honestly say, I mean, speaking of what we owe to, to Pac, uh, I can tell you right now that I would probably not be sitting here doing this podcast at all if it were not for him because he was really definitely the, the key um, person in my life who got me into horror at such a young age because he was into horror movies and horror comic books and so much, you know, when, and uh, he's five years older than me and um, I can remember him reading stories to me from uh, the old Creepy and Eerie magazines, you know, as I was <laughs> as I was just learning to read, he would read uh, stories from the old Warren magazines, the old horror comic books to me. Wow. And also, he, because he enjoyed watching horror movies so much, I think it helped my parents to allow me to watch them too because they knew that I had him to watch them with me. And so uh, when Creature Feature was on, it would be on late, you know, late oh, night okay, TV yeah. showing movies, the fact that he would stay up and watch them with me, I think that made them feel better about knowing that we were watching them together, you know, uh, uh, made them more comfortable with going on to bed early and uh, staying up late and watching, you know, watching Sir that Cecil makes Creep. That I never, you know. uh, never thought about that. But, yeah, that makes sense. Some of the stories you guys have told over the years, that mm-hmm. makes that mm-hmm. makes, that mm-hmm. makes sense. That yeah. really does. Yeah. So I'd never, I'd never put it that way because... I, I grew up the oldest, mm. um, so I never had I never had an older brother, mm. um, you know, warping my warping my fragile widow mind. <laughs> but uh, man, that's that's great. I'm always, wow. always always glad to hear from Pac. He's always he's been so encouraging across the board. But yeah, well, and in fact, even the fact that I'm in bands and play music, which of course, as everybody who knows me knows, is the most important thing in my life. You know, I probably also owe to him because even though you know Pac plays actually pretty guitar pretty nicely, but he's not a uh, he never aspired to be a musician or care, but he just loved music so much that once again he he was the he he just exposed me to so much music when I was little, you know. So all these things that I kind of end up taking and running with were things that I initially got from him. So uh, so yeah, thanks again, big brother. And uh, now we're going to go on to um, a email. This is from Matt, and he says, "Hey there, gentlemen. I must say I've had the privilege of listening to your podcast and have caught up on all of them." He says, first off, congratulations on a great show that is really a nice slice of Nashy love." I've only recently in the last year or two become a huge Nashy fan, but having had the chance to read his autobiography and the fantastic film memorabilia book called Mucho Gracias, uh, Señor Lobo, and then tracking down many of these films, I have enjoyed every bit of it. Uh, Through your podcast, I've had the chance to go back and watch many of the films that you have talked about, and in some cases, it has given me a fresh pair of eyes to look at them. Crimson still ranks on the lower spectrum. You know, while Werewolf vs. the Vampire Women has still uh, has still remained reigning champion, but films such as Vengeance of the Mummy and Horror Rises from the Tomb have become favorites of mine as well. There you go. See, Vengeance of the Mummy. I know. I know, <laughs> I know it's I. You know, it, it is my belief <laughs> that anybody who catches a nice widescreen good print of mm-hmm. Vengeance of the Mummy will, be will become <laughs> huge freaking fans. You, you are wrong, Mister Gwynn. <laughs> I did not say it was. Hey, I, I, I give the film its props, just not. I, I know you. Just do. not I, to the extent I, that you do, but I, I did I, give I, it. I, I, All right, I've I've also enjoyed the Beyond Nashy of the Point Five podcast, and cross my fingers for some blind dead love to be sent our way. Well, funny you should mention funny that. You should Hang mention on for that. just a few more minutes. You guys truly have made me a fan, and I can't wait for the next episode. Greatest regards, Matt. Well, thank you, Matt, and I gotta say I'm jealous that he's got a copy of that Muchas Gracias Senior Lobo because I want that book really, really badly. Yeah, yeah, I've got to get my hands on that one eventually. I have the feeling that I'll probably end up picking that up sometime this summer at a convention. 
Mm-hmm. I'm sure that some dealer's going to have a copy of it or a couple of copies of it, and I'll be unable to put it back down on the table after yeah. picking it up yeah. and thumbing through it. <laughs> I know, I know. There'll be no way to stop myself from going, oh my God, and the, yeah. mo- and the money will come out of the pocket immediately. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Um, I'm hoping maybe soon we can start scoring. Maybe there'll be some copies of the, the documentary going around, too. And, uh, oh, you know, for, uh, the man who stole It can't be too much Brown, longer yeah. before we can maybe start getting our hands on that. There is still hope that that's going to get some kind of uh, release on a broadcast station somewhere over here. Maybe mm-hmm. the Sci-Fi Channel, something like that. I could, see, I could even see, like, IFC showing it or something. You know, and it really... Definitely IFC. I'll tell you what, I could actually really, and this may be a stretch, but... I mean, considering what else they've managed to pull off, it would not shock, totally shock me to see it show up at the Belcourt Theater. Because oh, considering yeah. considering Jim Ridley's you know love of horror and how much knowledge he has horror and just his connection to his influence on uh, the be. local art house cinema here, I mean, I, I wouldn't you know it would not surprise me to see it maybe show up play at least one night uh, here at uh, here at the Belcourt, which wow. would be amazing. But... I, I don't know that I can wrap my head around the idea of getting to see a documentary about Paul well, Nashie on the big screen. I think my yeah. brain would explode. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I'm not I'm not I'm not saying put it I'm not saying book it or put it in stone but I'm just saying that oh, the, Belcourt, nice. the Belcourt's I mean, done some amazing things yeah, so yeah. I don't totally count them out on that but here here in Nashville folks we do actually have a really good uh, I guess you would say uh, art house theater it's terrific and um, we've had it for a very long time we are we're very lucky to have it we're aware we really are I mean I'll say right here and I've, I've said it before that, that uh, you know I know places like uh, you know cities like you know New York and LA obviously you know I'm sure that they have you know more art house theaters oh of course but I would put our art house theater I bet up against any of them I would I would be real surprised if if, uh, if, if, if any of them can top ours for just sheer you know for the fact of pulling in showing pretty much anything that's out there that's getting any kind of notice or any yeah. kind of notoriety and also Showing great repertory films, um, yeah. You know, I, I would bet I bet our billboard stands up to just well, about. I, 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 I just think back to all the uh, great movies, new and old, that I've seen in the place, and you mm-hmm. think about uh, they have those wonderful. I mean, I've gotten to see Ray Harryhausen movies there. Mm-hmm. I've gotten to see uh, uh, old old samurai movies there. Yeah, uh, old film noirs oh, there. Yeah. I've been able to see. Well, I mean, we were just Hell. talking earlier about Herzog's Bad Lieutenant film. Yeah. Uh, I got, I, that's where that's where I saw that, you yeah. know. Well, hell, coming up here, they're doing a Southern, you know, Visions of the South festival that they're going to be showing Cockfighter, for God's sake. Oh, you I know, know that great film, yeah, Cock, yeah. Uh, Cockfighter. It's a Monty Hellman film that stars, um, my brain just... More notes. Oh, more notes. I can't believe I just, my, my brain just... <laughs> it's an amazing performance from more notes in that film. And Well, and um, another part of that is it's uh, this Southern, this Visions of the South, is they're going to be showing 2,000 Maniacs. Oh, God, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> South's going to rise that's again. Yeah. Oh, man. So, I mean, cool. yeah, the Belcourt is cool. Like I said, I, I'd like to see a year's schedule of the Alamo Draft House. They might still top Belcourt, but I bet the Belcourt's got to oh, be. Oh, no, well, with, Alamo know. Draft House definitely does top yeah. it. I mean, you can't you can't compete with something like that. Right, yeah. Wow. We, 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 are, we are lucky to have it. We I mean, are. We really are. Okay, uh, one more email. Uh, we we get uh, at least an email a show from Elena, so mm-hmm. gotta keep gotta keep up with her emails. And this one, she had a lot of points to make, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try to run down them as carefully and as quickly as we can here. She says uh, a lot has been said about the intro music to Hunchback of the Morgue. I quite like it. It's supposed to take place in Germany, and that is the typical Bavarian music. And it's still in my head. She says. I know this because I was in Munich for a, for a time, and I was hearing that music all day. <laughs> also, those beer glasses are typical ones. Wow. 
I have one here that I stole from a pub in Germany. <laughs> she says, I'll take a picture of it later so you can see it. The best part was when I, when I was getting them into customs and my bags were x-rayed and they saw the glass in one of them. <laughs> you could probably, yeah, those, she could probably turn one of them into a, a house for her, her little uh, guinea oh, pig there, Valdemar, yeah. you know. It's like, but yeah, those things are massive. Yeah, she's, she's going to send us a picture of, uh, of, of, of it, you know, I want to see that. Well, that, that would be funny if she, if she were to put her guinea pig inside the, the giant yeah. beer glass and take that picture. There's there's an idea There you go, you. there you go. Photo out for Valdemar. <laughs> Uh, she continues, well, Nashi made uh, the audio, audio commentary for that film in German because, as you may know, he was quite fluent in that language. He attended the German school here in Spain. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, they speak a lot about that in the Man Who Saw Frankenstein Cry documentary. Cool. He couldn't speak English, which is something that you can see in the crap film, The Tomb of the Wolfman, the, you know, the Fred Olin Ray uh, one. Yeah, yeah. I uh, haven't seen Tomb of the Wolfman yet. Yeah, I do have yeah. it. Oh, yeah, yeah, we've got I it. Haven't, it's, it's, uh, I haven't pulled the plastic off of it yet because I know that eventually we'll cover it. We'll because have to. We're Valdemar completist, didn't you? But yeah. uh, Valdemar Daninsky completist. But yeah, that's not one we're in huge hurry to get to, I don't no, think. No, no, that one's that's on the road down there a ways in the far <laughs> distance, possibly over the horizon. But, yeah. Um, okay, she says, very sad thing about the uh, killing the animals in the film, but it was something they did quite often, uh, as in, well... Cannibal Holocaust. Oh, man, yeah. uh, Of course, that movie is just a step beyond killing animals. Uh, I especially hate it in The Blood Spattered Bride when they go hunting because that was a totally free killing. Uh, I hate that the director not only for, I hate that director not only for being an asshole, but also man. he did a movie called The Hunting. Uh, La Casa, I think she says is the Spanish title. And you can, and you can imagine what goes on in that. Yeah. Uh, actually, I've not seen that movie. I, I'm a big fan of The Blood Spattered Bride. Uh, yeah. But uh, the hunting, I'm not sure about. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to look that up. That may be something else we do as a point five episode. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> oh God, I'm sorry, Elena. But even even with hunting in it, I'm, I'm sorry. It's just something yeah. that I would have to see. <laughs> and then she says at the end, uh, and about that Facebook page for the Nashi Cast. What are you waiting for? <laughs> that is a good question. To get up, get off our lazy asses. Is what we're we're lazy for. bastards. <laughs> what can I say? Okay, well, okay. Let, let's let's be straightforward. Right now. <laughs> um, I don't have the time. I hate to say this. Uh, I'm working seven days a week. Yeah, I'll I'm, see what I can do. I'll see if I can pop up something uh, it, quick it, and quick and you know. If you can, I'd be glad to add to it. But uh, honestly, folks, right now I'm working seven days a week. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm working two jobs. I'm busy as I can be. I'm so busy that there are days I'm not even sure what day it is. Yeah. yeah. One day last week I was uh-huh. the butt of many jokes because all day Wednesday I thought it was Tuesday and all day Thursday I thought it was Friday. So I don't even know which way is up anymore. So right now I don't have the time to do it. If Troy or yeah. maybe we can get his cat Flex to do it. Yeah, Flex. That'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Flex, Flex guy, he's, he's, he's too busy maintaining his own Facebook page, man. He's, uh, yeah, yeah, this is true. Flex is uh, he's, 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 of fans. He's, he's a powerful president yeah. presence on the web. I mean, you have to admit that. But uh, thank you once again for the email, Elena. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's not that we question the music at the beginning of Hunchback and it's mm-hmm. and it's Bavarian nature. It's just. The, the the tone of it is so incongruous with the tone <laughs> well, of the like film. Like I said, I think like I said again, I think the the fear was uh, the fear was that it was going to pop up in the most inopportune places yeah. throughout the film, which fortunately it doesn't, so it's fine, you know. So yeah, I oh, yeah. Lo- lo- love Hunchback. It's such yeah. a great film. Yeah. But um, as Matt was asking earlier about uh, hoping for some blind dead love, we should say that mm-hmm. uh, our our plan for the next Nashi or beyond Nashi cast. God, I can't even say it. 
Our plans for the next okay. Beyond Nashy episode is to do the first Blind Dead film. Yes. Tombs of the Blind Dead. A fantastic movie. Uh, one that has a couple of connections to mm-hmm. Paul Nashy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in all honesty, stands on its own as a mm-hmm. powerful, mm-hmm. powerful, powerful mm-hmm. piece of Spanish horror. Uh, I mean, I, and, and probably, I mean... I mean, people can call me out on this. Maybe I'm forgetting things, but I'd say probably next to the Valdemar Daninsky, you know, mythos. I mean, the Blind Dead are probably the the next most, I guess, well known or as far as iconic, that is, is iconic Spanish, uh, you yeah, know, yeah, Spanish horror, horror creatures. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. I think that in a way, the Blind Dead may be more iconic. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I would say that. Yeah, Daninsky's. I mean, it's true. I mean, they're probably more popular than you know the Nashi films are gaining ground all the time, but, but the the, t- yeah. the tombs of the Blind Dead are, are probably actually overall. I mean, they've certainly yeah yeah I think they've been available more than the Nashi than the, definitely the definitely films the have been. the the fact that uh, when Blue Underground got their hands on them here in the states and put them out mm-hmm. uh, several mm-hmm. years back, I think mm-hmm. that they were already pretty well known because uh, I mean Tombs of the Blind Dead. I bought that on Laserdisc, folks. Yeah, they, right. that'll, that'll take you back. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been available, especially the first film has been available. In different formats, that I think Anchor Bay even put it out on on VHS mm-hmm. in the late '90s. So they've been a bit more available, and there are only four of them, for God's sake. So right. it's not like it's really hard to see all four of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the next Beyond Nashy episode, we're going to do Tombs of the Blind Dead. Mm-hmm. That'll be uh, episode fifteen point five. Mm-hmm. And just a reminder that the next regular Nashy cast episode, number fifteen, mm-hmm. is about El Caminate. Mm-hmm. Which we know is a harder Nashy film to get your hands on, but we've been being nice. <laughs> we've been calm and careful, and we, you know, we gave you we gave you easy ones, man. I mean, Werewolf mm-hmm. Shadows easy to see. Panic Beat's pretty easy to still. Think. Exactly. So we're gonna as we as we get as we go further along. I mean, down the road we'll be doing. Um, oh wow! Did you realize that uh, the most recent episode of the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema actually does Beast in the Magic Sword? And, and I haven't listened one, to it yet. Yeah. I'm going to listen to. I'll I'll, I'll be listening. Well, I know to that's it one that we'll be years. doing ourselves here soon. I'm sure. That's huh, I can't wait to hear their take on it. Although I I always fear the, I always fear that they're getting, that they're not going to enjoy one of these films. Well, it's like how can you not enjoy that one? Well, so, I don't think any. Yeah, I don't think any of the current podcasters go and bring the the the, the, the Nashy love like quite like we do. <laughs> and so you always have to brace yourselves that some of them just might not get it. It's cool that they're yeah, doing it, yeah. but. You you know, but some of them just might not uh, relate to it. And hey, you know that's true, cool. True, true. You know, so uh, that reminds me, though, if you uh, if you've not uh, not paid attention, uh, Nashi films do get the occasional mention or the at least the occasional review of that type on other podcasts. It's always a good idea to keep an ear out. The most recent episode of the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, they do they, they cover two films each episode, and they do cover the Beast and the Magic Sword in that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they liked it or not yet because I haven't listened yeah, to it. I haven't Looking forward, looking forward to checking that out. Yeah, I'm so, looking forward to seeing El Caminante. That's one that neither of us have seen, so we're excited oh, about that yeah. one too. So, uh, and still, a lot of people rate rate that one very high. It's oh, interesting because some people have said it's the have referred to it as said is Nashi's most personal film. And after seeing How the Devil, I'll really be interested to, to compare those two because I would have thought How the Devil. I don't see how you could get more personal than that. But apparently, El Caminante is just full of Nashi's interest and in, and in, in, you know is well. His, 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 and, apparently, is is definitely filled with his. Uh, his love of fantastic stories, fantastic stuff, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just the the idea of the fantastic as mm-hmm. a genre in, in in of itself. Yeah. Uh, so looking right. forward to it. Me so too. in a few weeks, uh, you'll hear from us again for regular episode fifteen, El Caminate. Hope mm-hmm. you can join us. As of course we will be spoiling the crap out of it because yeah. I get the feeling this is the kind of thing we're going to want to just discuss in massive detail. I would imagine. 
And uh, a month from now, Tombs of the Blind Dead for our yeah. next point five episode. So keep the mail emails coming to uh, nashicast at gmail dot com. Please, please, please send us emails. We love hearing from you, and uh, we we often reply, but uh, we also often just read your stuff on on <laughs> on the show and talk about it there. Yeah. So if there's something you don't want read, be sure and tell us, because uh, otherwise we might. Might, might put your business in the streets, as they say. <laughs> put your business in the street. Oh my God. Oh man. Oh Lord. It's a, I've been watching. Uh, did I mention I've been watching some black exploitation lately? Yeah, too, you so obviously been watching some black exploitation films. <laughs> I'm oh. going to agitate the gravel now. We're going to agitate. The gravel <laughs> okay. Okay. We're out of here, folks. I'm right. Rod Barnett. I'm Troy Gwynn. And we'll see you later. Bye bye.